The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. It's hard to believe I graduated 11 years ago. I remember very clearly how I used to ditch chapel to play foosball with my buddies. Uh, So you guys are all much more spiritually mature than I ever was when I was here studying and preparing for the ministry. I want to talk to you today about discipline, about God's fatherly discipline. And I want to share with you a little bit of how I am currently experiencing God's fatherly discipline in my life as a pastor And hopefully it will give you a sense of what you ought to expect as you prepare uh, to enter into pastoral ministry. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. And I'll be reading verses 3 to 11. Hebrews chapter 12, 3 to 11. This is the word of God. Give it your careful attention. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them, shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Amen. We are sons and daughters of God. We have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. We have been adopted as beloved children of God by receiving the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of Adoption, so that we can now call God not just our creator, but our Abba, Father. God is our Father, and we are his children. That's the indicative, and I need to be sure to get the indicative into my sermon when I'm preaching at a a place like Westminster. And because God is our Father, he will treat us as his sons and his daughters. And that means, according to verse 7, that God will discipline us. 
And the text tells us three things about God's fatherly discipline that I want to turn your attention to. It's painful, it's loving, and it's effective. According to verse 11, the discipline that comes from God our Father is painful. It's not pleasant. When you enter into the pastoral ministry, there will be many things that cause you pain. First, you will experience pain for your people. There will be sick and suffering people that you have come to know, that you come to love, who become dear friends, and you will see them suffering. And you will wish that you could heal them or to relieve their suffering. But there will be nothing you can do. All you can do is to sit with them in their hospital room. I think of a couple at our church who is pregnant with twins. And one of the twins is not growing right. There is improper blood flow to one of the twins. And right now we're deciding when the twins should be delivered. It's, it's a mess. And as I sat in that hospital room with Joe and Gloria, seeing the tears in Gloria's eyes, I just wished I could just like lay my hands on her womb and just make everything better. But I can't. And I think about the six-month-old baby girl at our church who needs heart surgery a week from tomorrow on October 19th. She was born with a hole in her heart. And the doctor said that they had to wait six months before such a surgery could be performed on a six-month-old. Here's a couple that I married. I officiated their wedding. This is their first baby girl. And when I went into the hospital room to congratulate them on the birth of their baby girl, I thought I had walked into a room where the baby had died. It just makes you want to cry. As you see them struggling with their anxiety and their fears, wondering where God is, all you can do is experience pain. I think of a man at our church who's had kidney failure for years now, and he lives on dialysis. And for those of you who know what that's like, it's awful. But the thing is, this man isn't in his 50s or 60s. He's younger than me, and he's single. And he confides in me, Pastor, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get married. He's one of the best guys I know, would make a fantastic husband. And yet he sits alone, hooked up to that dialysis machine three times a week for four hours at a time, wondering where his life is headed. You see, when you love people, and when you see them suffer, you see them in pain, you will feel pain for them as you should, as a pastor should. Second, you'll also experience pain from your people. There will be people that you counseled before they got married and then you officiated their wedding and then you baptized two of their children and you were there with them in their hospital room as their little girl had to have eye surgery. Then after four or five years of faithfully pastoring them, they will tell you one day, pastor, we're going to leave the church and it's for reasons you think are less than worthy for leaving a church. And there will be people who will criticize you harshly and sometimes unfairly. 
for doing what you believed God was calling you to do. And there will be days when you will find yourself seated at a table with your leaders and everyone will be mad at you. Everything that comes out of their mouth is nothing but criticism. And no one will stand to defend you. There there will come a time when you feel like all you hear are complaints and criticisms. And the only time you ever hear a compliment is when you go guest preach at another church. (laughs) And the hardest part of it all will be that you will come under fire for doing what you genuinely believed was in their best spiritual interest. You did everything with the best of intentions, but you hurt people anyway. And they hurt you back. So whether the pain you have is for people or from people, it will break your heart. It will make you lose sleep at night. It will make you want to bury your face into your pillow and cry. And you probably would if your wife wasn't there. And you will lie awake at night wondering, did I make the biggest mistake of my life by becoming a pastor? And you will wonder, if you should even continue as a pastor. Sometimes God's fatherly discipline is so painful, it feels downright cruel and severe. So that's the first thing of God's, uh, about God's fatherly discipline. It's painful, very painful. I know you're listening to me now. You're probably not believing me. I remember being where you were, and I didn't believe people who came to my chapels and told me that it was hard. But it is painful. The second thing is that it's also loving. You see, discipline is not the same thing as punishment. God does discipline us, but he does not punish us. All the punishment that we deserve for our sins, our disobedience, and for our mistakes in pastoral ministry was given to another. It was given to Jesus. You see, on the cross, Jesus was punished in our place as our substitute. You see, the punishment that we deserved for our sins that we commit as pastors. And let me just say this. You will sin as a pastor. And what you think, and what you say, and what you do, you will sin as a pastor. You will think things, you will say things, and you will do things that a pastor ought not to think, say, or do. But you will because you're weak and you're frail. And sin still indwells you. You will sin as a pastor. But even those sins that you commit as a pastor, the punishment that you deserved for those sins were given to another. It's given to Jesus on the cross. You see, punishment is the result of God's holy wrath against sinners, and it was directed to Jesus. But God's discipline is a result of his holy love for his children, and that is directed to you and to me. You see, it's because Jesus was punished in anger that we will be disciplined in love. A very big difference between punishment and discipline. And according to verse 10, God disciplines us for our good, and the pain that you will experience as pastors will be for your good. The heartbreaking pain that God will bring into your life and into your ministry is not punishment intended for your ruin or for your harm, but discipline intended for your good. So God's fatherly discipline is painful and it's loving. 
And lastly, it's effective. The goal of God's painful and loving discipline is, according to verse 10, that we may share his holiness. According to verse 11, the goal of God's fatherly discipline is that it may yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives. In other words, the goal of God's fatherly fatherly discipline, as painful as it is, will be to make you more like Jesus. You see, the most loving thing that God, your Abba Father, could ever do for you is to make you more like his son, Jesus. And the things that cause you pain, the things that make you want to cry, the things that make you want to run away, those are the very things, the very means that God has chosen to make that happen. Suffering and pain are the instruments that God our Father, our loving Father, uses to shape us into the likeness of his son Jesus so that we may share his holiness. Guys, I want you to listen to me. I was once where you were. I couldn't wait to get out of seminary and to get on with ministry. I couldn't wait to get out I felt pent up at seminary. I couldn't wait to just be released to go out into the world and to do great things for God. Right? I was 28. And I had all the energy and all the passion and all the dreams of a 28-year-old. I was ready to do whatever it took to be a great pastor, to do God's work, to do great things for God. I couldn't wait. But after 11 years of ministry, I think I'm learning that the work that God wants to do in me is just as important to God as the work that he wants to do through me. You see, what I want most for me is for me to be fruitful. It's a good desire. But I think what God wants most for me is for me to be holy. You see, God is more concerned about my personal holiness than he is about my pastoral fruitfulness. Jesus wants to give the best pastors to the church that he loves, that he bled for, that he purchased with his own death. And the best pastors aren't the ones who are the most gifted, the most dynamic, the most charismatic. The best pastors are those who have been and who are being trained by God's fatherly discipline and in in whose life the peaceful fruit of righteousness is being cultivated. The best pastors are holy pastors, pastors who have been conformed into the image of the one who was a suffering servant, even Jesus. Now God used the incredible professors at this seminary to prepare me for pastoral ministry and for the training I received here from men like Dr. Dennis Johnson, Dr. Meredith Klein, and others who had such a profound impact on how I think and even how I minister as a pastor today, I received phenomenal training for pastoral ministry at the seminary. But right now, God is using his fatherly discipline, a.k.a. all the pain in my life, to train me not for pastoral ministry, but for personal holiness. And as painful as his discipline is, and it's pretty painful, I'm thankful for it. 
because I'm certain that it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in my life. And how do I know that? Because Jesus has given me a promise that he who began a good work in me, he will be faithful to bring it to completion. And he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to bring it to completion. Friends, uh, your pain, your heartbreaks, and your sufferings will be the God-ordained means by which God, your Abba Father, will sanctify you and shape you into the image of his son Jesus so that you may share his holiness, so that you may share in his likeness. So, when the night comes and all you want to do is cry and feel sorry for yourself, when God's fatherly discipline comes with all the pain that you only heard about but didn't believe could be so hard, the gospel gives you the strength and the fortitude to thank God and to confess that God is good, God is wise, and God is loving. So that with your tears, you can say, praise be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are your sons and your daughters, purchased by the priceless blood of your son, Jesus. We have been adopted into your family. You have given us your spirit, and you love us more than we could ever know or imagine. And because you love us as sons, you will treat us as sons and daughters. I don't know who in this room is experiencing your fatherly discipline at this time. But I do know that one day we will all receive your fatherly discipline because you love us. And it will be painful. And it will break our hearts. But thank you, Father, that you will not leave us as we are, but you will redeem our sufferings and our pains to make us more like your son Jesus so that we may share in his holiness. I pray, Father, that the men in this room who are preparing for gospel ministry would desire personal holiness more than pastoral fruitfulness, for that is what you desire pray this in your name. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Copyright 2011, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.